It is so good to see so many of you here. It's so good to see those of you online, although we can't physically see you, we know you're watching. It's so good on this Thanksgiving weekend to be here worshiping and and lifting our praises to the Lord. Like Ellen and John said, this is the first weekend of Advent, a time of preparation where we prepare our hearts and minds for the things that are to come, where we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord Jesus on Christmas where we prepare ourselves for a savior that entered the world that forever changed the course of history. We start a new series today called The Weary World Rejoices. Have you felt that lately? Have you felt the weariness and the heaviness and the burdens of all that's going on in our world? If you watch the news for more than two seconds, you feel it. Those of you who have kids, your kids are home from school likely in this area and you're in this orange zone doing this. It's just so hard. We get so many more calls in the last two weeks down in the heel area of people who have depression and anxiety and are feeling the weight of everything going on around them. The world is weary. This last eight or nine months has been so heavy since March 13th. That's when this all started. It was my son's birthday, so I know. He brought it all with him. But on March 13th, which was the Friday the 13th, I don't know anything. But on that day, the world changed for a while. Not that it'll always be that way. And the burdens of everything we go through are so heavy. I I talk to friends and, and hear their stories of job losses and this going on and all the pain and everything that's happening. But in the middle of that, as we as a preaching team were talking about this month and what to do, we decided we needed to talk about the weary world rejoicing. A different take on maybe what you're feeling, a different take than what's going on in your home or your mind or in your family. And and listen to this. This is Luke 2, 8 through 14. I was supposed to have Charlie Brown and Linus read this up on the screens, but it was, we can't do it because it's copyrighted. So picture Linus up on the screens as I read this. I don't look a lot like Linus, thank goodness. And there were shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they would be. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be with all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, living in a manger. Imagine that. These shepherds are out in the field doing their normal daily business, and an angel appears. Why does the weary world rejoice? Because the Savior was born. Because the Savior came to the world that would change everything. This was written, and this happened in the middle of the Jewish world. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The ones who were waiting, they knew the prophecies. They read the Old Testament scriptures. They were waiting for the Messiah. And then, he came. In the middle of the Roman Empire. In the middle of all the the stress and all the pain, all the taxation, all the fear that came along with Rome, a Messiah was born that forever changed the course of history, that from that point forward, everything was different and new. 
From this day forward, our world looked different. Today, we're going to look at these events through the eyes of Luke. Luke's gospel is really, um, really interesting to me because Luke did extensive research into all the events. And as we'll see in a minute, as we read in Luke 1 and then Luke 2, we see through Luke's eyes the detail. He had to have talked, spoke to Mary as he wrote these words. He had to have inquired with her. He had to have walked with her and heard her tears and her pain and her joy. And then he wrote the words down. I remember the birth of all three of my children. I remember them to, to the core of who I am. I remember the times we showed up at the hospital, different, you know, hours of the day because of, you know, some decided to come in the wee hours of the morning, some a little bit later, but I remember all of that. I remember holding each of my children for the first time. I remember their weights when I'm pressed hard enough. I do remember their birthdays. And I remember the royal sub I ate in the delivery room while Holly was pushing with Sydney. I walked across the street, ordered a sub, and came into the delivery room and ate while she was in labor. I only did that for our first child. <laughs> only one. But I remember all the details of the births of our children, even the sub with mayo and hot peppers. And as we read from Luke today, we will see the words that he wrote or have to be directly from Mary's heart as she spoke to him. And we'll see the intimate moments of Mary and Gabriel when they had their interaction. We'll see the intimate moments of Jesus being born. And then we'll flip the pages a little bit. And we'll see Mary in a whole different light as she witnesses Jesus in an unthinkable condition. But let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. Um, right in the beginning of Luke, we're going to spend a, a lot of time right here. And we're going to start in Luke 1, um, verses 26 through 29. And they say this. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town, to a town in Galilee, to a pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. Can you imagine what she was thinking? Greetings. This is good comedy. You are the highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Of course, she was troubled. There had been 300 years of silence from the end of the Old Testament to this moment. Nothing had been spoken. There had been nothing really happening. God hadn't communicated with his people at all. And then all of a sudden, a teenage girl, a poor teenage girl, somewhere, the most unlikely person, the angel came to her. Of course she was terrified. Wouldn't you be? I've never met with an angel. I've never had an angel Gabriel show up in my living room my, anywhere in my life and have a conversation with me. I'm sure it would be a mixture of ex being terrified and exhilarated. Terrified because of the splendor and all that was happening in that moment. Exhilarated because you're talking to an angel. It had to be the most incredible moment. But Mary, like I said, was a young, poor female. The most unlikely candidate for this interaction. In all of the Jewish world, in all the people around, God chose Mary, the chosen person to have and to, to give birth to, the Son of God. 
God has a way of using people who are pretty unremarkable. He's done it all through history. He's used David. He's used Moses. He's used Rahab. He's used the disciples, basic fishermen who, who he changed the world with. And here's Mary in the same boat. This most unremarkable person, but something was different in her heart than anywhere else. From the outside, she appeared normal. As God peered deep within her heart, he saw something totally different. He saw the one that he chose to give birth to his son. Let that be an encouragement to you. I, I know if you're anything like me, there are times when you just feel inadequate in life. You see all that's happening. You see this person or that person and their accolades and what they do. But the reality is, God doesn't look at the outside and all that stuff. He looks deep in your heart. And he uses people who, who, who are the most unremarkable. Let that be an encouragement to you. He used Mary to give birth to a Savior that forever changed the course of the world. He will use you too. Luke 1, 30 through 33. It gets better. But the angel said to her, I love this. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Gender reveal parties are a huge thing in our world right now. If you go on YouTube, you can see all kinds of them, from cutting into cake and finding out if it's pink or blue and if you're going to have a boy or a girl, to explosions where people blow stuff up, and if there's pink smoke, it's a girl, and if it's blue smoke, it's a boy. You can go on YouTube and, and find all kinds of examples of these gender reveal parties, but I think this takes the cake. All of a sudden, Mary's having a pretty unremarkable day doing, going about her normal chores when all of a sudden she finds out some incredible things. First, she's favored with God, which is good. The second is she's going to conceive a child as a virgin. Not only that, she's going to give birth to a son. She's going to give birth to a son, and he's going to be the son of the Most High God. That's the best gender reveal party in history. She found out she was pregnant, going to have a son, and oh, don't forget, he's going to be God's son. Mary, Mary, just all this information was, her head had to be spinning. Ask for clarification, as any of us would. What are you really saying? So she asks in verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, like we just heard, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who, and she who is said to be barren is, is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't really say what Mary was doing when Gabriel came to have this conversation. It doesn't say what the hour of the day was. Was it noon? Was it morning? Was it afternoon, evening? It, it doesn't say. But we can be sure that Mary probably had, like many of us, a daily routine. She was do, going about her normal activities in that given day. And all of a sudden, like that, her world flipped upside down. 
everything was different. Everything had changed. Forever. She was going to be a mother. She was going to give birth. She wasn't even married yet to Joseph. Her entire life changed in the, in the span of five or maybe ten minutes. It was all different. What would happen to you if the same thing happened? If on your way home from church today you had an encounter with an angel or somebody who needed your help or you got a phone call from somebody who needed you to stop over and step into their world for a moment and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus? What would we do in that same situation? Confronted with a task, with a goal, with something that was way out of what we anticipated for that day. Well, let's see what Mary did. And you might know the story, Luke 138. I love these words. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be with me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. I will do whatever you need me to do. I will step into this situation and I'm yours, God. It's an incredible way to react. God interrupted her life and she said, absolutely. God interrupts our lives and what do we say? You know my typical response? I'm just going to be flat out honest. I get a phone call. I, it, it happened this weekend. I'm doing a project around the house. I'm painting, which actually is sort of, I sort of enjoy painting. And my phone's going crazy with all kinds of texts. But there were a couple in particular of hurting people. I didn't answer right away. Because I was busy. And then later that night, it was actually last night when I'm sitting down, I got, my senses came with me and said, boy, I really need to respond to so-and-so. It happens to us all the time. And are we going to be like Mary who says, I am the Lord's servant? Or does our own agenda, our own list of priorities, our own things that we're doing get in the way of what God might have for us? It's a tough question. But Mary's response was beautiful. I am the Lord's servant. She answered in that way. When we answer in that way, the weary world rejoices. The weary world rejoices because there's lots of hurt and pe broken people who need us to step into their world. And when those opportunities come, we can make excuses like I did yesterday. Or we can say, yes, God, I, I will. And when you do, when I do, the weary world rejoices. We're in a tough spot right now with orange in this COVID chart and all that's going on here in Erie County and beyond. And what last time we were shut down or heading in this direction, we did something called Be the Church. Be the Church was an opportunity for us to collect goods and, and to give them to all kinds of people in our community, to be a blessing to so many. Well, we learned from Be the Church, and, and actually we're starting something, I'm announcing it right now for the first time, called Be a Blessing. And this looks very different than Be the Church. Because if you've noticed, our small businesses, whether you're in East Aurora, in Orchard Park, or Springville, Eden, here in Hamburg, wherever you live, our small businesses right now, they need us. 
They need you and me in, in a really powerful way. Uh, earlier this week, Dan Ward, Pastor Dan and I went into the village of Hamburg and we, we stopped by a restaurant that we really like to go to frequently. I won't mention the name. And we spoke to the owner and we asked, What's the, what night of the week is your slowest night? You know, the night where you can barely keep the doors open when there's no rest seating in your restaurant because of all this COVID stuff. And he said, Tuesday. Tuesday's our slowest night. And then he said, I'm part of this um, group of restaurants around Western New York, and across the board, Tuesday is the slowest night for any of us. So this is what we're going to encourage all of us to do in the middle of Advent, in the middle of December, in this orange zone. We're going to encourage us to be a blessing to our local businesses. Can you imagine if all of us on Tuesday, we're going to call it Takeout Tuesday. Really, you know, it's a really incredible name. It, it took us hours and hours and hours to come up with that. We, had, we brainstormed. It was crazy. It took about 30 seconds. We didn't waste that much time. But what if all of us on Tuesday nights, we order out from our local establishments? You call the local, right. You go to your favorite place you go to all the time or maybe a place you've never been to at all and you order. It'll be such a blessing to our local restauranteurs. Or not only that, what about local small businesses? You know, it's so easy right now just to go on our phones and to go to Amazon and to order whatever we want. What if before we did that, we tried to find it locally and to find a store in our community, in our main street or our town or somewhere in our community where this is the case and we can buy things locally? That would be a blessing to our small businesses instead of taking the easy way out. Many of them have ways you can do that online. They have curbside. It's, it's really incredible. Our local salons, they need us. You can't go there to get your hair done. I, I don't worry much about that. But you can order gift cards and give them as gifts or buy gift cards and hold them so when you can go back, you can use those gift cards. So they get some money now. And we're also gonna do something called Operation Christmas Cookie. This sounds really official. Where when you bake your cookies, maybe you bake a few dozen extra and then you wrap them up and distribute them to your friends and neighbors. Take much extra. But it'll be such a blessing to the people you live near, the people you work with, the people you come in contact with when things are normal on a daily basis. But we're going to do this thing called Be a Blessing through, throughout you know, December and maybe beyond, depending on how long we're here, to bless our community, our small businesses and those we know. So please consider doing that. An email will go out tomorrow with more details about it. They have hashtags set up so we can, if you're on social media, you can do all. If you're not, just go buy stuff. But if you are, it's a way for us to, to put it out on social media and say this is what we're doing as a church to be a blessing to our community. So back to Mary. She has this encounter with Gabriel that forever changed her life, but that's just a small portion of the story. Let's look at about nine months later in her life. How's it nine months later? Well, we have a pretty good idea. Luke 2, 4 through 7. So, Jesus, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. She was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. 
nine months from the time Mary had this encounter with Gabriel is, is right now. Nine months later. And Mary and Joseph are on this journey and it's time to have the baby. About a year ago, just over a year ago, I was in this part of the world. I was in Bethlehem. I saw what it looked like. If you've never seen it or looked at pictures, look it up when you get home. It's really rocky and hilly and rough terrain. It's not at all like we're used to. If you're going anywhere, you have to go up and down and around many times because of the hills and the rocks. There's not a soft spot, it seems, anywhere. As we were there, our guide took us to this place where it was thought that Jesus was born. And, and it's interesting, it's under a church now. They built a church over it because they wanted to protect it or something. But you wait and you get down there and you, you're in this place and you, you duck and they say, this is where Jesus was born. How do they know? They, they don't exactly know, I suppose. But what it did tell me and what our guide said, Jesus was likely born in a cave. Not the manger you might have at home where it's all this wood and there's all these animals. It, it probably looked very different than what you might imagine in your mind's eye. It was cold. It was probably dark, maybe candlelit. It was damp because most caves are, are damp. And in this little hidden away place in the middle of Bethlehem, a very unremarkable place, Jesus was born. It wasn't like where you or I were born. It wasn't soft, incredibly unremarkable, no place to really recline. And Mary gave birth to a baby. I wonder if her words from earlier on when she found out she was going to conceive were ringing in her ears. I wonder if she had the same thought as this is the most unremarkable place to have a baby. I wonder if in that moment she actually said to herself, I am the Lord's servant. May your will be done in me. And in that moment, she gave birth and nobody really knew what was happening. It wasn't broadcast for the world to know. It wasn't all over social media. It didn't exist like that. But this was prophesied about years ago. Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come, um, come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. The prophecies about Jesus were starting to be fulfilled. Here he is, being born in this most unremarkable place. Jesus changed the course of our human history. All of a sudden, hope was replaced. I mean, hopelessness was replaced by hope. Weariness was replaced by joy. Fear was removed, and life replaced death. And the weary world rejoiced. They didn't even know it. He was hidden away. But that single moment, as you're looking at 2020 and wondering, what in the world do I have to rejoice about? What in the world is good? This is good. When you're down, remember that Jesus came to the earth and that's not the end of the story. Our next section we're going to look at is roughly 33 years later. 
the joy of the birth and the gender reveal party have passed. We find ourselves on a hilltop next to a rugged Roman cross where Jesus, after living his life, was, was finally going to do what he came to do. This is a scene that's very different than the other two, and you know it. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When, they, when Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took care of her, took her home. Mary was close enough at that moment to, to hear his, his breathing, his gasps for breath. She was close enough to see the droplets of blood running down his face. She was close enough to feel his fear to, to, to sense the situation. She was close enough to reach out and touch him if she chose to. She was close enough to understand that his life was about to end. It's a far cry from our first two scenes. Tears of joy have been replaced with tears of sorrow. The joy of, of a newborn and figuring out you're going to have a baby is replaced with with just this pain and this heaviness and this weight of seeing him die on the cross. No mother wants to experience this with her child. Ever. Some of you, unfortunately, know exactly what I mean. And in the middle of this situation, our sin, the penalty for who we are in our lives is being paid for. But listen to this. Mary was the only person present at both Jesus' birth and his death. Did you ever think about that? She's the only one who held him as he breathed his first, as he was crying and, and knew in the world, but she was the only one who saw him breathe his last and make that connection. She's the only one who had the joy of his coming into the world and then the sorrow of him dying on the cross. She's the only one who understands what his life was really meant to be. All the ups and downs in the middle and all the everything that happened, she experienced. No mother should experience what Mary was experiencing at this moment. She likely heard Jesus talk about this day. He talked about it often. Mark 8, 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. Mark 9, 31. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. Matthew 20, 17 through 19. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took 12 aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death, and, he will hand, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. He talked about it many times. Do you think this was ringing in her ears at this moment? Do you think any around realized that he had spoke about this numerous times? He knew what was coming. I doubt 
at this moment that Mary could say what she said 33 years earlier. I doubt she could say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. I bet it was, I don't know how anybody could say that at that moment. But I am pretty sure, based on the families I know and the world we live in and the way these things work, that the oral tradition and the stories of how Jesus was conceived made their way to Jesus through time. I'm sure Mary shared the story of how Gabriel came. I'm sure she shared the story with Jesus many times, how her normal day was flipped upside down. I'm sure she shared the story of how God said, you... Jesus are the son of God. I'm sure he shared, she shared that with him. I'm sure she shared her response when she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. That was probably a family story that they shared time and time and time again. I don't know exactly if Mary shared those things, but I assume she did. I can make a good case for it, but the reality is we don't know. But I do know this, that Jesus, before he was arrested, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was crying out to God, where tears of blood were were pouring down his face, I do know that he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, and not my will, but yours be done. Not exactly what Mary said, but it's the same heart. It's the same attitude. It's the same sentiment that she shared all those years ago. And you can picture Jesus, okay, God, I don't really want to do this. But not my will, but yours be done. What do we take from all of this? What do we learn about Jesus, about Mary? about you and me and how we live in this world? Well, I think it's simple. 2020 has been a hard year and it continues to be a little challenging. And there's opportunities for you and me to step into situations we never thought we would. There's opportunities for us to respond to the call of Jesus in our lives. Maybe you get a text like I did yesterday and instead of ignoring it, you answer it right away. Maybe when you see somebody hurting or something happening in your world, you know a friend, a family member, a coworker, a, a friend from school. You know they're struggling. Instead of going about your own way and doing your own thing and whatever the story may be, you step into their reality, into their pain, and you offer them your hand, your help, your heart, your very life. What if instead of being so concerned about what we're doing, we're more concerned about the needs of others? Like Mary, maybe, like Jesus. As you respond, as you respond as Mary did and say, I am the Lord's servant, may your word be fulfilled. Your word to me be fulfilled. Or later to Jesus, maybe you respond this way, not my will, but yours be done. As you respond in those two ways, the weary world rejoices. As followers of Christ, we have the opportunity to step into people's pain. And as we do, there's rejoicing because not everybody does. 
a few moments ago, I, I left out an incredibly important part of the story on purpose. And some of you may be jumping in your seat saying, you didn't finish the story. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. On the third day, after he predicted his death, after he died on the cross, but on the third day, he rose from the grave. Why was this significant? Because Jesus was born to die. He was the perfect sacrifice for you and me. Why did we need a sacrifice? Because our lives were full of sin. Our lives had gone astray. We were heading in a direction that would ultimately lead to our destruction. And God couldn't allow that to happen. So he sent a savior that was born in a manger, that lived a perfect life, that died a sinner's death, that rose from the grave on the third day so that you and me, so that we can have life eternal if we grab a hold of the reality of who Jesus is. And that is the huge reason, the main reason why the weary world rejoices. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to this world. We thank you that Jesus came. He, he lived a perfect life that we just read about, but then he ultimately he laid his life down for us. We thank you that Mary was obedient to the call you placed on her life. That she rose to the occasion. That she, she didn't shirk away, shriek away and do her own thing, but she stood and she said, okay, I am yours. And Father, I pray that you would help each of us to do the same thing. As opportunities come our way to be that your hands and feet, as, as we have the ability to speak truth and life and pe to people's lives, allow us to do so. Allow us to walk away sometimes from the busyness of what we think we have to accomplish and to love people well. To take an example from Mary or then later Jesus. Not my will, but yours. May it be as you say. We thank you, Father. We thank you that in the this time of weariness in our world that we as followers of Christ can rejoice because we serve and follow a risen Savior. And we pray in his name, in the mighty name of Jesus.